Harvest Church. Please let's stand and give them a warm Harvest Church welcome. Julia Simmons. Who's glad to be in God's house this morning? I said, who's glad to be in God's house this morning? Hallelujah. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. Yes, we do. You know what, Pastor? I don't know what else I can do. They've done about everything today. If your heart hasn't already been blessed this morning, man, man, oh man, thank God for the worship. Thank God for the drama. Just thank God for people just being anointed, amen, and using their gifts to glorify God, amen. <clears throat> oh, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here at Harvest today. Um, I, I, first of all, I just thank God for this opportunity. He's been so faithful and so loving to us, uh, just far better to us than we could ever deserve, Amen. And um, I honor uh, the pastor of this house today, <clears throat> Pastor Terry. I've uh, just been, had a, have a long relationship with him, uh, played with his kids, grew up with his kids, and uh, he's always been like an uncle to me, and I, I just thank God for him and his family. <clears throat> today, uh, we just want to speak to your hearts, uh, hopefully not long, um, <clears throat> just about faith in foul weather. Faith in foul weather. Um if you want to stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to start with verse 22. And we're going to read on down to verse 33 there. Matthew 22, <clears throat> Matthew 14, I'm sorry. Verses 22 through 33. Amen. Anybody ready for a word today? Amen. I'm excited. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When he was, when, now when evening was came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, somebody say, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he had gotten into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were there in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Father, we just come to you today, God. 
We're so excited to be in your house, Lord God. We're excited to share your word, Lord Father God, with your people, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray, God, that you'll hide me behind the cross today. Let your anointing destroy, Lord, the yokes, Lord Father God, of the enemy, Lord God. We pray, God, that this word will go out. God, it will not return void, Lord God. Let it go out and do, God, what you have it to do, Lord Father God. We just give you praise again today. We just give you honor again today. God, because you've been so good, you've been so merciful, so gracious to us, God. We just take a moment, God, just to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, you have been so, so awesome to us, Lord God. And at this time, we just want to honor you, Jesus. Not any man, Lord Father God. Not any program, Lord Father God. But that your anointing would be great in this place, Lord God. That you may do your work today, Lord Jesus. Hide me behind the cross, Lord God. Let me explain your truth to your people, Lord God. Let us go from faith to faith, God. Let us go from this glory to the next. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated in God's house. Amen, amen. Like I said, today I want to talk to you about faith in foul weather. Amen. Do you know that sometimes there's going to be some foul weather in your life? Do you know that sometimes you're, not everything's just going to go as you planned? Do you know that sometimes in your life, not everything's going to line up. Your bank account not always going to look like you want it to. Come on, come on. Everything's not going to go on your job as you want it to. There's going to be some foul weather in your life. And I, I just want to talk to you about three points today. These are the three points I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about obedience. I want you to talk to you about obstacles. And I want to talk to you about overcoming fear. I want to talk to you about obedience, obstacles, and overcoming fear. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's dive into God's Word. Do we know that it's important to be obedient to God? Amen? That is one thing that's the, probably the greatest thing that we can ever give God is our worship and our obedience. Amen? So we're looking, we're looking back, and, and we know this is the story of Jesus walking on the water, but not only Jesus walking on the water, we have Peter that joins him on the water. And, and God kind of led me, and, and he, he broke, this, uh, broke this thing down to me. Before we jump in and, and, and start at verse number 22, I want us to see something here about obedience. This is what something God showed me. Going back to Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to read verse, down through verse 22. It says, when evening, <clears throat> when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. Somebody say they were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. What an amazing miracle God had just done. Amen. 
So we're talking about a place between Jesus feeding 5,000 people onto the next place where, he, where Peter it goes to him on the water, okay? And I want us to understand something about, here, about this, about obedience here. It says in verse 22, Immediately Jesus made his disciples to get into the boat and go before him on the other side, and he sent the multitudes away. You may say, preacher, how do you get obedience from that? Well, first of all, he urged them, he compelled them, he told them to go to the other side. Okay, so this is what I want you to understand, though. And, and you may ask me, preacher, how hard is that to be obedient in that simple task? How hard is it to be obedient when Jesus just says, go on to the other side? But here, here's my point in this. How, how hard, maybe, maybe you're thinking, maybe you should have used a better example, a harder example, like when Abraham had to be obedient to God, and had to sacrifice his son or was willing to sacrifice his son. We look at that as hard obedience, don't we? That's tough. But I, I, would, I, would, I would say to you, I would urge you that these disciples were in a place that were just as hard to be obedient. And this is why I'm going to tell you why. Can you imagine God doing something so miraculous? Can you imagine God doing something so glorified that you had never seen before? And, uh, and it says immediately Jesus said, leave. Go to the other side. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in those worship services before where the glory of God fell down and the glory of God was just in the house and you've seen people saved and you've seen people delivered and you've seen people set free from drugs and alcohol? But do you know we got to move on from that place? You, we, we, you ever been there before that you, you know you just want to bask in God's presence and, and you remember those services. They're monumental to us. And a lot of times we're guilty of saying this, man, yeah, today was a good service, but you should have been here last week. Come on, come on. Don't we say that, brother? You should have been here last week. So can you imagine the, 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 how hard that is on disciples that, that they have to learn obedience to Christ? That, yeah, I just fed 5,000 people, but it's not just about bread and eating. In his word, he tells us man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, if we're not obedient to the words that come out of his mouth, then we're in a place that we're not pleasing him. Amen. How hard would it be to leave a place of a deep encounter? How hard would it be to, be, to leave a place where you know God had just done one of the greatest things that you had ever seen before? And we've all been there. We've all been in those services where God just rained down. But it says, immediately Jesus constrained him. He commanded him, his disciples, to go before him to the other side. He said, go on to the other side. Not only were they supposed to go to the other side of this lake, they were going on the other side of the miracle. Amen? Amen? Do y'all see that in the scripture? Not only were they having to go to the other side of the lake, Jesus is compelling them. He's telling them, go on. You got you to forget about this miracle. Yes, what I done was great. Yes, I did what was mighty. But you got to go on to the next thing that I'm calling you to. And a lot of times it's hard for us to leave the place where God's glory has been manifested to us so strong and to listen to God's voice when he says go. And it's nothing wrong with us wanting to linger in God's presence, amen. It's nothing wrong with, with us wanting to bask in God's presence, but it's dishonorable when God says go to the next place, amen. Amen, that's, that's why, I'm, I'm a meddle here a little bit, I hope I don't get in trouble. That's why you have so many churches 
that sing the same song for 150 years and the glory of God doesn't show up anymore. It's because they no longer focusing on the, the, the right now will of God. They're focused on what used to be and what God used to do. Don't stay in the place of what God used to do. Don't stay in the place of where God was. I don't want to stay in the place where God was. I want to be in the place where God is. See, it's easy to, to, to not be obedient to God when you've seen the glory fall here. It's easy to keep on singing the song because you've seen people saved getting to that song. It's easy to preach that same sermon when you've seen people shout and sing God glorify. But what about when God tells you to move on from that place? Amen. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about when we have to go on from a place. God doesn't just want to call us from faith to faith. God doesn't want to just call us from glory to glory. He wants to call us from miracle to miracle. Amen. 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 That's why obedience isn't always easy. Because sometimes we focus on the miracle instead of the miracle worker. Amen. Amen. I, I'm not so much worried about the miracles happening in my life as long as the miracle worker's with me. How about you? How about you? Because if God is sending me into the storm, I know he's going to be with me in the storm. Amen. I don't want to be in the place of luxury. I don't want to be in the place where it's easy. I don't want to be in the place where it's comfortable if that's not where God is. And so many times in the church, so many times as young people, we get, we get to that place and we're just comfortable where we're at we're not trying to reach any higher we're not following the voice of God amen amen I'm talking about being obedient to what God has told us to do John 15 and 14 says this you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you if you're obedient to me John 14 and 15 says this if you love me you will obey you will keep my commandments amen Amen. I think this is something that's very important for us to hear. I want you to hear this loud and clear. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Obedience, although we're obedient to God, obedience will never keep us from facing obstacles. Obedience will never keep us from, from facing obstacles. Amen. Who knows that to be true? Just because you're obedient to God doesn't mean the opposition is not going to come. And let me tell you why. It's because we have an adversary, the devil, amen? When we're obedient to God, that's the place where he most wants to show up. That's the place where he most wants to cause the chaos. That's the place he most wants to, to cause the havoc in our life when we are being obedient to God's voice. When we're going and we're doing everything he's called us to do, God, see, Satan will come up against us. And he'll begin to try to distract us. he began to put obstacles in our way. Amen. It says like this uh, in Matthew 5 and 45. That ye be children of, the God, of God your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Just because you're obedient to God doesn't mean that you're, you're going to walk through a field of daisies people of God. Amen. And, and, and just so that we know obedience, obedience is not for our, is not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. Do you know that? Obedience to God is not for God's benefit. God doesn't need anything from you. 
God doesn't need anything from your life. Obedience is so that you can help yourself. Amen? Amen. If, if you think about it, we'll go to 1 Kings 17, verses 2 through 8. And let me just talk a little bit about how important it is to be obedient to God. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. He obeyed. And camped beside the Kareth brook east of Jordan. And ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and each evening. Man, that's like room service in, in the B.C. ages. Amen. And he drank from the brook, and after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall in the land. On, See, if Elijah would have stayed where God had moved, what did it say? It said the brook dried up. The brook was his nourishment for several days. The ravens brought him food that were nourishment for several days. But he said, I need you to leave this place. Come on. Come on. I need you to leave this place, and I want you to go to a widow's house because she's going to be the one that feeds you. She's going to be the one that provides for you. So God is going to call you from a place. He's not always going to do everything just like he's always done. We serve a God that's living and breathing, and he wants to change our lives. He wants to stretch us. He wants to compel us to go and to do more and to be more and to be great people of God. But we got to be obedient. We got to move from one place of glory to the next. We got to move from one place of glory to the next. If Elijah wouldn't have obeyed God, he wouldn't have got God's blessing. He wouldn't have got God's provision. So maybe you can ask yourselves today, maybe if you're thinking about the lack that's in your life right now, have you been obedient to God? Have you moved on from the last word that he spoke to you? Have you been obedient? Amen? Amen. Point number two, obstacles. We're going to talk about obstacles. Amen? Um, <clears throat> obstacles, you, we know what they are. They're distractions, right? They're, they're hindrances. They're roadblocks. Amen? You ever been trying to get somewhere, trying to get to a, a destination, and you got all these detours? You got all these roadblocks up. How frustrating is that? Amen. In the same way with our life, God was telling the disciples, go to the other side. But there's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some obstacles that get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. There's going to be some obstacles that, that try to deter us from going where God has told us to go. Obstacles. And some of us, we think we're not going to have any pushback. We think that we're not going to have any opposition. Well, I listened to what the Lord told me, and the enemy's been on my back all week. Well, bless your heart, Shug. Bless your heart. But do you know when you're doing the will of God, when I'm going to the place God has told me, when I'm going to the divine and I'm being anointed by God, when I'm listening to his voice, the enemy's going to throw everything at me that he can because he knows what that God knows that there's something great in me. There's something great he wants to do. There's something great inside of me. There's souls that need to be saved. There's people that need to be reached. And if I'll be obedient... He's going to put some obstacles in the way. He's going to put some obstacles in the way. Why would he just let us go to the destination that God has called us to? 
There's going to be some obstacles, people of God. There's going to be some pushback. If you're not facing obstacles, if you're not facing pushback, then you're probably not going in the right direction. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have any obstacles, if you're not facing any opposition, then you're probably not headed in the right direction. Be careful when everybody is saying, son, good job. Be careful when everybody is saying, you're doing a good job. Sometimes I want people to talk about me. Then I'll know God said if I'm persecuted in this life, if I'm persecuted in this life, then I'm on my way to the eternal gift that he has for me. But when we don't have any opposition, when we are not facing any obstacles, we may not be going in the right direction. And it says in verse 23, he forced him to go on the other side. It says, and he, and he has sent the multitudes away, and he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening would come, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. It was tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. You know what that means? The wind was contrary. Contrary means that it was in opposition. It was against him. Have, have any of you ever been in a boat before? Have any of you ever tried to row a boat before? It's already hard enough, ain't it, fighting against that water. But can you imagine being a disciple and God has told you to go to this place and you're trying to row not only against the wind, but you're trying to row against the waves and the water as well. Amen? Jesus told him a destination to go, but he didn't tell them the step-by-step directions of everything they were going to face. Thank God for that. I thank God that he doesn't give me the step-by-step directions of everything I'm going to face. Let me tell you why. Because if God told me everything that I was going to face, I probably wouldn't go. I probably wouldn't do what he told me to do. I probably wouldn't go when he told me to go. I probably wouldn't do what he told me to do. Amen? It says... And if, we'll, if you'll read John, it tells us that the disciples at that time, they had probably rode two to three miles. Two to three miles. That's a long way to jog. That's a long way to row. That's a long way to row a boat two to three miles against the wind, against the waves, against the obstacles. And sometimes we find ourselves there that God has called us from a place of glory to right there in the middle of a storm. Right there in the middle of a storm. But I'm talking about faith in foul weather, though. Faith in foul weather because God is not going to leave you where you are. He wants you to grow. So what do you do when you've been teaching children's church in Sunday school but the kids ain't receiving your teaching. What do you do when you're when your boss or you when you when you've done everything you can to be pleasing to your boss or to your employer, and they still don't favor you? What do you do when your ministry isn't growing? What do you do when you don't get that promotion? What do you do? When you don't find favor, what do you do when, when you continue to witness to people at school? You continue to tell people about God, but you're not seeing any changes with anybody. 
That's some obstacles, amen. Will I continue in my faith? Will I keep on going even though there's obstacles in the way? Even though things ain't going like I thought they were going to go? Will I still be obedient? Am I still going to hold on to my faith in the foul weather? See, sometimes you're going to have opposition. You're going to have the obstacles. You're going to have the setbacks. Even young people, you're going to have rejection in your life. That's one of the th- hardest things probably for our young people to face is rejection. But do you know you don't have to be received by this world? Romans tells us, what does Romans tell us? It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when people don't accept me, that's not my problem. When people don't accept me into their club, when people don't want me to hang out with them, that's okay, young people of God. I ain't got to hang with them. I ain't got to go to your party. I ain't got to be a part of that because God has already called me out. He's already set me apart. He's made me a son in his kingdom. He's made me a daughter in his kingdom. I don't have to fit in with you. That's okay. I got my own friends. I got my own family. And it's right here. It's right here. I belong somewhere. I don't have to fit in your group. I don't have to fit in your group. Rejection. Amen. Rejection is an obstacle for us young people. But you need to know that there's purpose in your obstacles that you face. There's a reason for the obstacles that you face. God doesn't just put you through the grinder for no reason. God's not going to put you in a place for no reason. He's always going to show his purpose to us. Here's something else I want you to write down about obstacles. Obstacles are inevitable. They're certain and unavoidable. But the outcome is dependent on your faith. I'm going to say that again. Obstacles are inevitable. They're going to happen. But the outcome on the other side is dependent on your faith. Amen? Amen? Here's our proof text in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. It says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, that's obedience, right? Whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, obedience, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. That's obstacles. And it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. Amen. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened that doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. If we'll be obedient to God, if we'll be founded on his word, we'll stand through the storm. We'll stand through the storms of life. In this life, whether you decide to be foolish or wise, the obstacles are still going to come. Amen. It says that the wind, the rain, it beat upon both houses. Amen. The obstacles are going to come. Whether you're saved or not saved, you're still going to have problems come up in your life. 
So why not have the one that can solve all my problems to go with me through the storm, amen? If I'm going to face the problems anyway, why not have the solution right by my side? Amen? Amen. But the outcome is dependent on your faith. Your faith. I can't believe for you in your storm. You got to believe for you in your storm. Amen? Amen. Point number three, I'm bringing it home here. Overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Amen. Uh, Matthew 14, verses 25 through 33. I'm going to read this. It says, Now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke and said to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down onto the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw him, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And when those, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, You are the Son of God. Question for us that begs to be asked, what are, what are usually our biggest fears? And these are the two things that God has given me. Failing, failing, not being successful, amen, and the unknown, the unknown. People worry all the time about things that they don't know anything about. See, I don't know if I should go to this job because I don't know what it would be like there. I don't know if, if, if I can do this because I've never done this before. Amen? People are scared of the unknown. And, but do you know this? Fear is probably, well, no, it is. Fear is the biggest paralyzer of our faith. Fear is the biggest paralyzer of our faith. Maybe that's why God tells us over 300 times in his word, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Brother right there said 366 times. That's one for every day that you can read in his word. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Because the same God that was with you in the glory, the same God that was with you in the past, the same God that was with Moses is going to be with you. The same God that walked with you through the last trial is going to walk with you through this trial and the next trial and the next trial and the next trial. There's nothing I'm going to face that he's going to leave me abandoned in. Amen. Amen. Maybe that's why God stresses and urges and compels us not to fear, not to be afraid. And this is why. Because fear is typically tied to unbelief. And unbelief is the greatest hindrance of God doing miracles in our lives. I'm going to say that again. God stresses, stresses and urges and compels us not to be afraid, not to fear. Because fear is typically tied to unbelief. And unbelief is the greatest hindrance of God doing amazing things in our life. That's the biggest thing. And let me, here's your proof text if you don't believe that. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, it says this. And he sent out 
from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not these his sisters here with us? So that they were offended in him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Key verse, verse number five. Now he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. Verse number five tells us there, he could not or did not do many works there, mighty works there because of their unbelief. Was it because that Jesus didn't have the power to do the miracle? No, they had seen him do all these miracles, amen. They had seen him open the blinded eyes. They had seen him speak to the lame and, and said, get up and walk. He, they had seen him do great and mighty works. Was it that he didn't have the power to do it? No, it wasn't that he didn't have the power. Was it that he didn't want to do it? No, because the word always tells us over and over, it says Jesus was compelled. He had compassion on them, and he moved to meet their needs. So why couldn't Jesus operate in this? Why, couldn't, why didn't he do the miracles anyway? Why didn't he override the offenses they had for him? It's this reason here. Because God does not operate where he's not invited. God does not operate where he is not invited. How do I invite God? God does not operate unless faith is accepted. Amen? Come on, y'all been a little weak on that. God will not operate in your life in a place that you don't have faith in. Amen? Hebrews 6 says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to wants anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I, I told you about five minutes ago that fear is the greatest paralyzer of faith. And here's the reason why. Because when you accept fear, you reject faith. When you accept fear into whatever situation you're in, whether it's about your finances, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about your school, whether it's about your friends, whenever I choose to accept faith, whenever I, uh, whenever I choose to accept fear into my life, I reject faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? God will not operate in a place where faith is not present. And Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Why did he marvel? Why was he just in astonishment? Why was he why was he astonished? Why was he in wonder at all their at their unbelief? Let me tell you why. Because they put a cap on the flow of the blessings and miracles of God. They put a lid on a fountain that was bubbling up. Have you ever seen a fountain? You ever been to the mall? You ever been to one of those places? And you see that fountain and it just continues to have water and water and water. And that's the miracles that God wanted to do. Those are the things that God wants to do in our life. And we put a cap on it 
When we accept fear, when I accept fear, I put a cap on it, I turn the faucet off. What God wanted to do, he can't do because of the fear in my life. Not that he's not able to do it, but he's not able to operate in that place because I've accepted fear instead of faith. Amen? Amen. Their faith or their lack of it hindered miracles from happening. I wonder... I wonder with us, I wonder how many miracles have been held up in our life because we accepted fear instead of God's word. See, see, we read this. We read this, right? We read this, but do you really believe it? You, you read about the miracles. You read about how they walked around Jericho and how that God promised them to land. And God has promised you things in your life. And he's promised you many great things. But do you believe it? Because you may walk around one time, nothing happens. You may walk around two times, nothing happens. You may walk around five times, and nothing happens. You walk around six times, nothing happens. But God said on that seventh time, I want you to open your mouth. I want you to begin to praise God, and the walls begin to fall down. The walls will fall down in your life when you accept faith. When you believe on God's word, when you take him out, what he says, try me, try me, and I'll show you. Amen. Amen. How many miracles, how many amazing things have we missed out on God because we've let fear cap over faith. Amen. Amen. It says in verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, we're talking about three o'clock in the morning. Sometime between probably 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Jesus went at them walking on the sea, and disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Amen. Can I get Brother Andy? Is he, is he in here? Oh, I think he stepped out. That's all right. I'll use his wife. Come on, Lindsay. <clears throat> See, I just want you to put that on. I want to show us what it looks like when we say that we trust God, but we're operating in fear. See, Jesus said, I want you, Jesus said, you can come. You can step out on work. He said, if it's really you. Tell me to come. And, and, and we, when we operate in fear, God is calling us to a place, but we got our life jackets on. We got our backup plan. Just in case God doesn't do what he says he's going to do, just in case I begin to, just begin, in case I begin to sing, just in case I begin to fail, I'm going to put my life jacket on because I don't really know if I can really step out. But you can take it off now. But it said, Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he began to walk. And it said, Peter began to walk on the water. The one who was human began to walk on the sea. The same sea that Jesus was walking on. He began to walk. And he began to walk on the water. He began to walk on the water. Thank you. And if we'll believe God for it, we can do great things. We can do great things. And, and, and oftentimes, it says, 
But then he began to see that the wind and the waves was boisterous, and he began to sing. And, we, and we'll, we'll, so many times in the church, we'll criticize Peter. We'll criticize Peter. And we'll say, if he would only kept his faith. If he would only kept his faith. But here's the thing, though. It's never been achieved again that we know of. Peter's the only man that I know of besides Jesus that ever walked on the more. So even if it was just for a moment, he overcame his fear. And he stepped out. I wonder if you'll step out today. I wonder if you'll ever. I wonder if you'll step out today. You'll step out on what God has told you. Not what I see. Because what I see is the wind. What I see is the waves. What I see is chaos. What I see is the havoc. I see a mess. I see people back home that are drug addicts. I see people back home that are, that are addicted to pornography. I see my friends in school. And they are not in right relationship with God. But if you'll step out, but if you'll step out on his word, he'll bid you to come. He'll bid you to come. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about your faith in foul weather because things ain't always going to be like you want them to be. Things are not always going to line up just like you want them to line up. But what about your faith in foul weather? I'm talking about being obedient to God. I'm talking about the obstacles that you're going to face, but overcoming that fear. There's a song on the radio now, and I know everybody's probably heard it. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. You know why? Because fear says you can't. Fear says you're not good enough. But I know God told me, you're good enough, son. You're going to make it. You can do it because it's not really you. It's me that's on living on the inside of you. And with me, it's impossible for you to fail. Unless you put a cap on it with your fear. But if you'll step out on him today. If you'll step out on him today. I wonder if there's one that just want to step out on him today. Amen. Let's ask every head to be bowed in this place. We can have someone just come and play on this keyboard. <clears throat> There's only one way that Peter's faith could have remained perfect. And that's by fixing his eyes on Jesus. And I imagine when Peter was there, I imagine him looking out and he was in the middle of a storm. But he saw calmness in the chaos. He saw peace in the pandemonium. He saw tranquility in the turmoil. And that's the same thing God wants for you. He wants your faith in the foul weather. He wants your faith in the foul weather. He's calling us to obedience. He's calling us and using the obstacles in our lives to push us towards him. I'm going to say this. One of the, all of us will remember Hurricane Florence. <clears throat> but out of that storm came unity. Out of that storm came love. And I can speak from my own personal life when I say 
I gained one of the greatest friendships I've ever had because of that storm. Working with people I had never met before, and God used that storm to bring himself glory. And God is going to do the same thing in your life. See, because it's amazing, but it says it, it, Matthew's the only book that records Peter walking on the water. But Jesus will do it just for that one. He'll call you so he can do great things in your life. He wants you to overcome your fear today. Psalms 37 and 23 says this, The Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. He makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. I wonder if there's one here today. If you're a Christian, I just want you to be praying right now. I wonder if there's one here today and you say, you know what, preacher, I haven't put my faith in Jesus. I haven't put my faith in him. I, I've been leaning on my own understanding. I've been leaning on my own way to do things. I've been leaning on me. And just like Peter, I've began to sink. And my life is not what I want it to be. You can come today. Is there one here today that doesn't know Christ as your Savior? Maybe just by uplifting your hand. Say, preacher, just remember me in prayer. Is there one? Is there one here that doesn't know God today? God sees that hand. Brother, God is speaking to you right now. And God wants you to come. He's, he's speaking to you right now. And you can take a step of faith right now. You can take a step of faith right now. And God can change your life here today. He can change your life here today. Everything that you want is in Him. Everything that you could ever need. Would you come today? Would you come today? Would you make that decision today to accept Christ as your Savior? Because the enemy, he's out there. And he wants to gain your life. The, the Word of God says that he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy wants to devour you, but God has come that you can have life and you can have peace and that you can have joy, that you can have victory. Would you come today? Church, please, please pray. There's a soul in the balance here today. Would you come today? The king of this world, the king of heaven is waiting on you today for you to accept him. believers stand on their feet well every person in this room stand on their feet today there's still one out there people of God but now you're on your feet you can make a step this way and I believe that God will walk with you the rest of the, every step that you'll take coming down that altar God will walk with you down to this altar would you make that choice today to accept faith, to step out on Jesus. He says, try me. He won't ever fail you. He won't ever let you down. 
come today? Would you come today? What about our believers in the house? Is there a believer in the house that just wants prayer? Is there any believers in the house that just wants, just wants us to pray with them? To say, I, I want more. I want more faith. I want to believe in Him. Is there one today?